Greetings and salutations, darlings, and welcome to the Trash Fire of Talk podcast with your host, Skits M. Jones. I am your host, Skits M. Jones. And it's been a while since I've dropped a pod. Uh, I know they've been fairly infrequent and inconsistent lately, and I think, you know, given everything going on in the world, it's more than understandable. Um, you know, I when I started doing this with the intention of, of dropping two episodes a week, that was you know, during a wildly different time in the world, uh, and yeah, shit has changed, and the reason I'm doing an episode today is I feel like there's kind of a lot to talk about, um, you know, I, uh, first and foremost, hope everyone is safe and healthy, uh, I, I know that that can be kind of a big ask right now, uh, but, but I hope, you know, everyone is well, Um, there's a lot going on, you know, the pandemic, of course, continues the, uh, the uprising rebellion that is, uh, growing at the, at the street level and, and, you know, out into the public sphere revolving, um, Black Lives Matter and defunding the police and, you know, um, possibly even just the fall of capitalism itself and, as all of this is happening, you know, I've, I've been watching people I know and, and, uh, you know, people I, I follow or people I respect and, and just seeing kind of, you know, t- taking, taking a reading of, of kind of the public attitudes towards things and, um, and also, you know, putting my own thoughts and whatnot out there. I've, I've been very vocal of late, uh, which I think is, is surprising to a few people who have only met me in recent years. I haven't been as, uh, publicly vocal, politically, uh, aside from just the way I live my life and the way I, I tie my beliefs into, uh, my writings, into my performing, into my, into my material, into my music, into, you know, whatever I do, I, 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 I live uh, my my politics more than I of late had been speaking them because by and large a lot of it felt very echo chambery and you know very preaching to the choir or uh, you know in some cases you're just not changing certain minds and so a lot of it felt very futile. Um, that's changed recently. I've, I've become considerably more vocal. And I, I think part of that is there's a lot of people who are more willing to take time to look at various issues. And, you know, the fact that everyone has time, the fact that we are living in a pandemic that has shut down much of the world has allowed everyone to have the time to look at what is going on socially and politically and act accordingly. You know, there's, there's a reason we work, you know, 40 to 80 hour work weeks and bullshit like that, because it keeps us uninvolved, uh, and burned out and, you know, prevents us from engaging in the public sphere. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that we all have time means there's time to have these, these conversations and, 
when you watch someone murdered on camera, uh, and then you watch more people murdered and beaten and assaulted and uh, etc. on camera, and you watch that for weeks, it's very easy to uh, be political because A, you had the time to watch what is happening in the world, and B, you have the time to make your your thoughts and your feelings known. Um, but I, you know, if, if you follow me on, especially Facebook is where I've probably been the most uh, active, and if you follow me there, you have some idea of, of where I'm at. Um, you know, I've, I've measured where I am being the most vocal and where I'm doing whatever it is I'm doing. Um, let me give you some history, uh, of, of myself. That's kind of what I wanted to get into. Hi, Kobe. My cat's here. She says hi. Um, I used to work in nonprofit. Uh, I went to school. I got my associates in human services with a focus on domestic violence and sexual assault. Um, as I was getting my degree, I was also working at a, uh, community, um, building nonprofit where, you know, things like after school programs and, uh, Enrich, you know, community enrichment programs and, and stuff like that was all uh, the, the focus. Um, and my experience was a rougher one when I went into nonprofit work. Uh, the nonprofit that I was initially working for uh, was defunded when uh, Rauner took office back in oh, whatever that was, 20... <sighs> God, I don't remember what year that was. I didn't take notes. I'm just talking here. Whatever. Rauner took office as governor in Illinois and immediately, like, froze all funding for, you know, nonprofits and things of that nature. So suddenly, uh, everyone at the nonprofit that I worked for was without a job, was without income. The programs were left unfunded. Uh, the only reason I still had a job is I was attached to the nonprofit as an AmeriCorps uh, Vista uh, intern. It's a, it's a shitty, like, stateside government service internship thing that, like, does nonprofit shit. Uh, so I was being paid federally, so my funding wasn't cut, but all of my bosses and everyone around me was suddenly without uh, a paycheck. And... Programs had to be closed uh, because there was just no funding. Um, and a lot of nonprofits suffered for the better part of a year uh, as a result of all of this. And, you know, watching the, the picking and choosing of where to pull money from, especially looking at the disparity in what money goes to what things, you know, much in the same way our country's military budget is absolutely insane. You know, we spend more than 10 times, uh, we spend more than the next 10 countries under us as far as the military goes. Uh, and as far as police goes in some of the largest cities in America, 
our our police budget is bigger than the military budgets for other countries as a whole and and, and I'm not talking like like tiny tiny little countries I'm talking some of the big ones um and that's insane and and the fact that we would rather you know cut funding for like I said after school programs tutoring programs art programs sports programs music programs you know, we cut school funding itself, you know, the, the fact that we will do all of that and remove all of the, the, the you know, things that help uh, human development to prevent, you know, falling into crime as, as you know, uh, a young adult, an adult, you know, um, watching, watching nonprofits get cut and, you know, I, I, I date a teacher and watching, you know, them negotiate budgets and have to buy their own supplies and do all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, we should defund the police. We just should. We should. They're not doing their jobs. Um, And I know some people are a little weird about the whole defund the police thing. Defunding the police is the same as defunding schools. It doesn't mean they go away. It just means we give them less resources. Uh, and with the cops, part of it is they do things that they shouldn't be doing anyway. They're assigned to things they shouldn't be assigned to. Uh, homelessness encampments don't need a police in, uh, engagement uh, to address the issue of homelessness. What is a guy with a gun going to do to help homelessness? Nothing. You know, uh, a, a, a guy with a gun doesn't need to show up to a mental health crisis you send counselors to things like that. So that, that's when people talk about defunding the police, that's what they're talking about. You put the money into the programs and the uh, professions that would actually benefit the ills of society. And then you have investigators who investigate crimes that have happened. You have people who are in armed response to you know, active shooter situations and things like that. You do have those. But police is not the answer to everything. There is a, you know, a, a noise complaint with your neighbor. Well, that's not a cop issue. You don't need someone with a gun to show up and tell someone to bring the noise down. You need a, meet, a, a neighborhood mediator, you know, things like that. Um, but that being said, we also need to pay attention to where the money is going in nonprofits. Because like I said, I used to work in, in nonprofit. I used to spend time in nonprofit. And nonprofits have their issues, especially, you know, uh, the the kind of white savior bullshit that a lot of people get into nonprofit work uh, as a result as. And a lot of those are, are very, you know, Christian based, uh, you know, even even if they are, you know, 501c3 non-political or non-religious or politically affiliated organizations you know, they're still run by Christians. They still have ties to churches. They still get donations, et cetera, et cetera. And one of the nonprofits that I, I worked for, you know, during my time in and out of working for nonprofits did uh, community work in a low income housing area in the middle of Wheaton. And Wheaton is, uh, you know, per capita, I think the most churches uh, of, of any other city in the U.S., um, and the community that I was working with was predominantly like first and second generation uh, African Muslim families, um, 
you know, that was like the, the majority of the community that I was working in, in the middle of very white, very Christian uh, Wheaton. And so there were a number of issues there. You know, the, the, the very town itself uh, was not designed uh, to embrace this community. You know, the community, A, was segregated away from, you know, every other living uh, area, every other neighborhood. Uh, it was owned by uh, Franciscan nuns, this, this uh, living area. Um, the, the, the housing area, the, the, the apartments, um, you know, and there were a lot of misunderstandings culturally. Uh, there were a lot of issues with the organization in terms of how they felt, you know, poor people should or should not act or what things they should or should not have, you know, uh, a lot of attitudes of oh sure you know they're they're poor and they can't fund this or that or the other but they've got the newest phone and it's like well you don't know how someone got their phone plus these days you can't survive without a smartphone like you you can barely have a job without the accessibility of a smartphone that's just where we're at you know it's the same with the internet everyone needs to have the internet to uh, engage in society today. You don't get to judge people for having those things, you know, and then on top of that, you look at, you know, every, every holiday or every birthday, we, you know, crowdsource gifts and things like that. So yeah, some people are getting brand new shit because that's, that's what we charity do. Or maybe they worked really hard. They have a job they spent their money because they were like, oh, I would like to spoil myself and my family by having a nice TV. Because even if we can't go out all the time, if we're home, we can watch a nice TV. Like, that's not unreasonable. And the fact that some people think, oh, if you're poor, you, you need to live a certain way. You need to be a certain type of poor. Well, that's not what poor is. You know, the fact of the matter is most people in America are poor. Most people in America don't have assets and, you know, savings in the bank and big retirement plans and shit like that. The majority of Americans live paycheck to paycheck, which means if you go unemployed one, you know, one pay period, that might be your life. That might be the end, you know, um... And so there were attitudes around that and, you know, the, the fact that we weren't able to engage with the community and the fact that the community's needs weren't being met, you know, that the, the adults were having to work all the time, you know, to pay the bills and the fact that a lot of the, the parents had multiple jobs meant they couldn't be the most active in developing community programs, which meant we were just constantly outsourcing who would run this shit, you know, and especially me. You know, I, I was not equipped uh, to handle, you know, after school programs of, you know, 20, 30 kids on my own, uh, you know, w without a ton of resources. Like it, the entire situation was a setup for failure, um, you know, and, and then you have, oh, they're taking donations from Chick-fil-A and they're taking donations from, you know, this place or that place, which then further alienates, you know, and then oh, we're going to do a summer program. Cool. Where at? Oh, it's being run by this church. Well, 
What, what kind of church? Oh, Christian denomination. Great. These are not Christian kids. Like, you're not going to send them somewhere for Bible study. That's insensitive to who they are. Um, you know, and so there's a lot of shit like that in nonprofit work. And we have to make sure whatever we are trying to build as we go forward uh, in all of this, you know, we have to make sure that the communities themselves are being given the resources to do for themselves and to meet their needs themselves. You know, we can't go in and save people. That's not what it is. And, and that's such an, an ego stroke, you know, batch of bullshit uh, that, that like we're showing up to save people. No, that's not what any of this type of work should be, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I had a, a history in, in nonprofit work and it was, you know, there were pros and there were cons and, uh, you know, as we look ahead at, all right, well, what are we doing in our communities? How are we trying to build, going forward and and what do we want this all to be we need to make sure that whatever attitudes we are bringing and whatever you know resources we are bringing we don't attach caveats to it like oh but you have to attend our church or oh you have to look a certain way or you have to behave a certain way or you know what have you um because a lot of that is couched in our own ignorances and our own you know bigotries and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's what I got to say about all that. <laughs> uh, that said, I, I am considering getting back into uh, the, the nonprofit sphere and the, the community work sphere uh, after this is all said and done. You know, I have my associates, but I'm, I'm considering uh, seeing what I have available on my GI Bill and, you know, what other resources I, I might have available to go get my bachelor's and, you know, maybe look at going back into a field of work where I'm actually doing something to benefit society because, uh, let's move on to the next topic. I'm back at work now. I got called back into work, uh, this past week. It was my first full week back working. I work for a restaurant chain, uh, not at a restaurant, uh, but bringing food and supplies to restaurants. And I have to say, uh, Illinois is reopening stupidly. Uh, I'm, I'm going to these restaurants and people at the restaurants, you know, the general public, they're not social distancing. They're not wearing masks. They are right on top of each other, you know, because we're, we're placing limits on these things like, oh, okay, only so many people per table, tables have to be so far apart, etc., etc. Well, they're also trying to maximize a buck because being open and not being able to be open at capacity is bad for business because your space is designed and your staff is designed and all of that is designed to fill certain capacities uh, and the fact that that is not a, uh, an option means that, you know, businesses are hemorrhaging money. So they're trying to make money. So they're, you know, as tightly packed as they can make it, they're going to, um, you know, and then on top of that, you've got people who, yeah, they're sitting at one table and the tables are six feet apart, 
But those aren't people who live together. And at the table, they're not social distanced, nor are they wearing masks because they're eating and drinking. So now these are people who are spreading shit to each other, who don't live together, who are then going to leave that space and go to another space to go have another lunch or another dinner with some more friends. And so social distancing at that point doesn't even fucking matter because they're all sharing tables together and they're all sitting and laughing together and eating and drinking and spitting on each other and whatever. Um, and then, you know, you see servers who are supposed to be masked, supposed to be gloved, doing all that kind of shit. And then you'll see some of them not wearing masks because they don't believe in it or it's uncomfortable or they're tired or whatever. And then you have to assume that everyone, you know, working at the restaurants behind the scenes is doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And, you know, the fact that you have a public that is not doing what they're supposed to be doing and you have the employees not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We are doing this badly and it's going to make more problems. More people are going to get sick. We're going to get that second wave. All of that nonsense. And I know some of you don't believe in it. You barely believe it was a crisis in the first place and barely believe it's a crisis now and you think we should be reopen and whatever. And here's the thing. Do the safe shit anyway. Even if you don't believe in it. I don't want to have to wear, you know, shoes everywhere I go. Uh, but if I want to enter an establishment, I have to wear shoes. Okay, fine. Now you have to wear a mask. Well, cool. Did You know, if you've heard no shirt, no shoes, no service, just add a mask to that. That's all it is. It's another garment. And let's say I'm, let's say I'm wrong. Let's say I'm being overly cautious and it doesn't really matter. Cool. Then I've inconvenienced myself for a matter of months and I didn't spend all of my time exactly how I would have otherwise. Oh, well, uh, now let's say I'm right and people aren't doing the thing. Well, now you're killing people. You are purposefully making the decision that you would rather run the risk of infecting yourself and infecting all of the people around you with a virus that is known to kill people. That's irresponsible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's irresponsible. Uh, it's inconsiderate. Um, it's, and basically, it, it just tells me you are a selfish person. You are a selfish, self-involved, inconsiderate person who lacks empathy or care for the people around you. And that's fine. You could be that. Uh, but that's what I think of you. And I will likely continue to think that of you. And look, if you're doing the right things, if you're, you know, you have your, your three people that you spend time with and you've spent time with them during this pandemic or whatever. And that's the only people you've seen and you make sure to quarantine and you make sure to social distance and you make sure to mask or whatever. You're doing it as responsibly as possible. Look, cool. But I'm talking about these motherfuckers bum rushing to get out in public because they're bored and they want something to do. So they want to go eat, or they want to go to comedy clubs, or they want to go to the movies, or they want concerts to happen again. 
I'm sorry. I'm bored too. I miss people. I miss performing. I miss going to shows. I miss going to the movies and watching movies in a theater. I miss all of the things. Believe me, I fucking do. But here's the thing. If not doing the things means I don't potentially kill somebody, then I don't want to do the things. And especially seeing that we're not even doing the things responsibly. You know, I've, I've been considering a lot of this uh, the same way I consider speed limits. You know, uh, you see, you know, 55 and you do 60 or 65. Well, that's how we're treating this. You tell people six feet and they give you three feet and you tell them wear a mask and they wear it under their chin so it's not covering their face because it's uncomfortable. People refuse to be responsible and refuse to worry about the well-being of other people beyond just paying lip service to it. Wearing a mask is a little thing. Social distancing is a little thing. These aren't big things. They're little things. And people's unwillingness to do them you know, I'm recording this on No Mask Day, which is a big push for everyone to just go out in public without masks. It's a big social media thing. It's a, a, a big movement against masks. Meanwhile, half the states in the country are watching a major upswing because they didn't do the things they were supposed to do. Cool. I... I, yeah, I hate it all, and I think it's very selfish, and I think people are being very selfish, and it is deeply upsetting. It just is. And, you know, feel judged. I don't care. Because I, I know I'm being judged for wearing a mask everywhere. I know, because people will tell me. You know you don't have to wear that. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do, in fact. I do it for my, you know, uh, mental well-being. And I do it for your well-being. Me wearing a mask doesn't protect me as much as it protects you. Um, you know, if, 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 if you don't care enough to be considerate, that's on you. Uh, places are reopening. Comedy clubs are talking about reopening. Some of them are, are running shows. Uh, the clubs aren't so much running shows, but shows are happening again. Um, there have been producer meetings that have taken place or at least discussions that have been had. I want to put it out like this. My promises as a show producer, if I run a show, I will pay the people on my show. If it is my show, I am producing it. I will pay my performers. I will have a diverse lineup. I will never run a show that is nothing but straight cis white dudes. I won't do it. I will not. Uh, I will have diverse lineups. I will amplify voices uh, that do not often get them. My entire goal for wanting to be in the comedy clubs is to change the climate of the comedy clubs. Because we're at a point now, am I going to make a living doing this? 
fuck it, who knows? I'm assuming the entertainment industry is dead as far as my livelihood is concerned. I'm not going to make money doing it. So what can I do? Well, I still want to perform and I want others to perform and I want others to have the opportunity to perform that they might not otherwise have. You know, so if I can get black voices and queer voices and women's voices and you know, all of those into, into a established comedy club, whereas otherwise more often than not, those voices have to create their own spaces and create their own shows. And, and, you know, maybe as we're watching everything go down in the way that, you know, established clubs are being called to task for their racism or their sexism or, you know, whatever their inherent biases and bigotries happen to be. We're talking about businesses that are largely run by white men and white, you know, well, any people of any demographic tend to hang out with people who reflect their same demographic. And so you have, you know, older cis white men uh, running these clubs and booking people who appeal to their same uh, mindsets, you know, by and large, that is the, that is the culture. Um, you know, and that culture needs to change. If you can look at what's happening in Chicago improv and you can look at what's happening at some of the clubs and, you know, all of the, all of the comics recently being canceled for being pedophiles or abusers or whatever, um, clearly it all needs to change. And, you know, especially coming out of this pandemic and the, the major social uh, uprisings and, and the, the movements that are happening. Uh, if one of your goals for reopening isn't to have a venue that caters to the most diverse population possible, A, that's shitty because it's just shitty. B, it's also going to be shitty business. Because if you look at the trends, if you look at what is happening right now, it's going to be in everyone's best interest to open it up to a variety of, of people and thoughts and mindsets and ideologies and, and, and backgrounds and all of that stuff. The more diverse plethora of voices you can amplify, the better it's going to be. Um, and that's both societally and professionally. It's going to be good for bottom line, too. You know, and I, and I hate that I have to couch anything in bottom line, but it's business. So fine. You want to treat it like business? Well, look at the trends. The trends right now are all white shows not looked upon fondly. Uh, all male shows not looked upon fondly. All white male shows not looked upon fondly. So don't do those. Don't do them. You know, make an effort to have producers and people in positions of authority who are more diverse. If you have a, a, a producer's meeting and everyone in the meeting is white and or male, your production team is garbage. And change it. Work on it. Change it. Fix it. You know, or get left behind. Because right now, the other main thing that we are learning is comedians have figured out they don't need the clubs. They don't need the venues. 
because this pandemic has led them all to develop their own things, whether it's, you know, Zoom or uh, whatever video platform uh, mics and shows or teleconference shows or, you know, maybe they've just moved into making digital content. They're creating shows. Uh, they're doing sketch. They're doing animation. Some people are doing music. Some people are doing, you know, um, art. You know, pe- people are finding out that they don't need the establishment to engage with art. You know, so the establishments are going to have to make an appeal to artists that they are still valuable. You know, that said, uh, having an audience will always be valuable. So if you can fill a room uh, and, you know, if you have a room that can be filled, that will always be valuable. But again, you've got to look at our 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 performers going to want to work with you if it feels like you're just nurturing the same bullshit that has been plaguing everything you know and our audience is going to stay on board you know yes there will be a demographic for all straight cis white dude comedy shows there's a demographic for that but if that's the only de- demographic you appeal to you are limiting your focus you're limiting your scope uh, and you're going to really alienate large swaths of the, the community around you. So, yeah, as a producer, if I am running a show, A, I will never ask anyone to be part of a show if I do not feel it is safe to be so. Uh, so am I running any shows until we have, uh, you know, a a tried and tested vaccine or even just a, an effective treatment or, you know, anything of that nature. Uh, honestly, I don't want to, I don't want to run any shows in, in any situations that feel less than safe. Um, oh shit, it's raining. Um, but I also, you know, I have a foot in the door at certain venues and I don't, want to not do things and then lose that foot in the door because, you know, the others who don't have as many scruples. And honestly, do you want the people who don't have scruples to be running everything? Doesn't that seem like a problem? There should probably be people who have scruples. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I am in no rush to run any shows right now. Uh, I am in no rush to bring other people out into public. Uh, I I don't want to risk endangering people because my God, how imagine someone I I I bring to a show as a performer or someone who sits in an audience at one of my shows dies because they came to my show and got sick. Well, now I have selfishly now I have to live with that. I don't want that. You know, in addition to not wanting people to die. I don't want to be responsible for people dying or getting sick, you know, or getting ill. Like if you look at some of what this virus does, it wrecks your lungs. It, you know, can cause uh, cardiac arrest. Some people have strokes. There's all sorts of shit that's going on. Yeah. I don't want anyone to uh, get sick, die, have permanent health effects or uh, anything. Um, so that's that's where I'm at in terms of being a producer, in terms of wanting to run shows. Uh, 
But again, and performers, value yourselves. Stop working for free for other people. If you want to work for free for yourself, that's fine. If you're working for other people, don't work for free, especially if they're making money off you. Now, if no one's making, if there's no money to be made, no one's making money, that's a different situation. But if someone's making money, whether it's a, a, a venue or a booker or a producer or whatever, if someone is making money off of your labor, you sure as fuck better be getting paid for it. And if you're not, there is a problem. Um, so that's something else. Like I said, as a producer, I will make sure that my people get paid. That said, I would also like to get paid. So if my entire budget goes directly into paying my talent and I don't make any money, well, that's not sustainable either. Uh, so that's, that's where I'm at in terms of comedy. Uh, you know, I, I would love to perform again. Someday I will. Is that someday now? No. Um, you know, I talked about wrestling and, and the landscape, or I talked about comedy and the landscape changing and, and comedians being called out and, and venues and establishments being called out for inherent racism and sexism and, and bigotry and, and all of that. Uh, it's happening in wrestling right now too. Wrestling is having a major reckoning as so many of the, the, the men in wrestling are being outed as predatory or abusive or both. Um, and it's, it's no small amount of names. And uh, some of the situations I was already aware of, uh, some of them are news to me. I haven't been in the industry in over a year. Um, but that said, I still have plenty of friends, you know, and it's been interesting watching, you know, how a lot of wrestlers have behaved a during the pandemic and B during the recent, uh, you know, uh, political and social movements, uh, excuse me, revolving around black lives matter and all of that. Um, there's a lot of people who have really been just showing their whole ass, you know, out, out in the world of, of how bigoted or, or ignorant, uh, they might happen to be. Um, and watching all of that play out and, and watching people be, be taken to task and, and watching names finally be dropped, you know. I, there are so many stories I'm aware of uh, that have either been told to me or, you know, I've, I've been privy to uh, or, or present for um, more in, in, the, in the, you know, racist and sexist comment sphere or, you know, homophobic comment sphere or what have you, uh, then, you know, I, I, have I witnessed any assaults or anything like that? That I have not. Um, but I, I've definitely heard some shit, you know, and I've, I've seen people's behaviors and, um, watching people finally be called out because none of it's my my stories, you know, they're not my stories to tell. They're other people's stories to tell. I may be aware of them, but they're not mine. And so, you know, I, I haven't outed known creepers, uh, you know, 
because because the the story is not mine. Now that said, uh, you know I I've been very open uh, about people who are shady in the business. You know, um, and and there are certain people where yeah I can I can tell you Mitch Blake is a racist because Mitch Blake is a racist. Uh, I can tell you that you know Vance Cooley DDS owes people money. Uh, including myself and, you know, uh, has had just the shadiest of, of (laughs) dealings with the end of Kaiju. Uh, I, you know, I can tell you that, um, some ring announcer named Joe who used to maybe still does, I don't know, ring announce for POW entertainment, uh, followed women into the bathroom and it was handled, uh, after he did that, um, that said, I, I'm sure he's probably still in the business because a lot of shitty people still are. Um, you know, I can tell you there are a number of racist motherfuckers, especially in the northern Illinois and southern Wisconsin area. Not all of them. Some of them are great people. There's there's great people in every scene, uh, but there's also a lot of shit and a lot of shit uh, that runs a lot of establishments um, you know, will continue to prove that they are shit uh, until it all burns down. And, you know, for all of the, uh, the, the, the people that I have seen come forth with their stories and out their abusers and out the people who have been horrific to them or, um, you know, all of that, uh, I see you and I fucking love you for, trying to fix an industry that is so grotesque. Uh, and you know what, as far as wrestling and comedy and, you know, I, I haven't seen as much happening in music, but I think that's because a lot of musicians are just hiding out and making music because that's a thing you can do solitary. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's shit going on in music that I'm not privy to right now. You know, I mean, obviously there's always problems in any industry. You know, you look at uh, shit, I'm a huge Kesha fan. You look at that whole situation with her and Dr. Luke. Like, yeah, there's there's scum everywhere. But music doesn't seem to be having the reckoning right now that comedy and wrestling seem to be having. And uh, my attitude towards it all is burn it all to the ground. Burn it all down. Fucking all of it. Start over. You know, there, there's a reason that, you know... um I, I, you know, born and raised in Illinois, I grew up in, in the area around the prairie path. And the prairie path is this big swath of par- prairie with a path through it that goes through most of the state that people walk or bike or run or whatever. Um, but all of that, all of that prairie land has to be burned every year so that new shit can grow and the old shit doesn't clog it all up and prevent new growth from happening and choke off uh, the environment. And right now, we we are watching as society is doing its best to burn away all of the old overgrown bullshit and give room for new growth. You know, whether that's uh, watching movements happening in the streets because politicians haven't been doing shit for us as a society. So people are rising up and doing it for themselves. Um, 
and watching what's happening to wrestling and watching what's happening to comedy and watching just what's what's happening in the world is we are finally starting that controlled, hopefully, burn that knocks out all the old bullshit and we can grow something new in its place. That said, if you're on the old bullshit, um, figure out how to embrace that new growth. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be to your benefit. I don't know. It's, it's weird times. I hate it all. I think it's very dumb. I think we're handling things very poorly. I think that that there is a lot to be very very dark about. Uh, a lot to be very depressed about. A lot to be very anxious about. To be sad. To be mad. Um, disheartened. But, like I said, watching what's happening in comedy, watching what's happening in wrestling, watching what's happening out on the streets, these are good signs that if we don't get distracted and we don't allow ourselves to be forced back into situations that are not sustainable or beneficial, um... You know, if, if we can if we can continue pushing in a in a forward, you know, pro- I I say progressive, and I don't mean in the political sense. I mean progressive in the terms of we are making progress as a species, as a as a series of communities, as humanity as a whole. We, if we can make progress, uh, now is one of the best windows of opportunity we've ever had. And that makes me hopeful. Um, so I, I just kind of wanted to talk about all that. Thank you for listening. If you do, I appreciate it. I know it's a lot and I know I'm just kind of rambling. Um, you know, and I know a lot of it's been very not great, but you know, I am tentatively hopeful. And regardless of what the other side of all of this looks like, I hope to see you all there. Uh, That's all I've got for this episode for today. I don't know when another episode will drop. I don't have any fun little segments to do. I just kind of wanted to talk for a while. So thank you for indulging me. Uh, I hope it was an interesting listen. Uh, You know, thoughts, feelings, what have you. Email me, skitsmjones at gmail.com or you can drop me a voice message on the Anchor app, anchor.fm or hit me up on any of the social medias. Um, Skitsmjones, by and large, for most of it. Uh, but yeah, hope you enjoyed and thank you and, uh, good luck out there. Keep that trash fire burning.